0: Hello, welcome to the Rioters Review, part of the Riot Act podcast. My name is Stephen Hill. His name's Renfrey Dedman, and um, I don't know the name of the builders who have decided to drill a massive fucking hole in my road, literally one minute before we started recording. But um, <laughs> I'm going to call them Twatty and Cunty. I think <laughs> I'm going to call them. <laughs> I'm sure
1: that is their names. I'm sure they probably call each other Twatty and Cunty at points.
0: Uh, how
1: are you, Steve? Bar the um, bar the drilling.
0: I'm all right. Mm. I mean. Should we tell people about the hell shit that we've been in? It's up to you, mate. It's up to you. Uh, I, I Basically, we recorded a really good uh, classic album podcast yesterday about Opeth's Ghost Reveries, and I didn't have my mic turned on for some reason for the whole thing. It's a mystery as to what exactly happened, but I'm very disappointed with myself. So we have to do that again. But we thought rather than go straight in and do it again... We give you this rioters review as Mm -hmm. promised. we, uh, oh, by the way, this is, you know, if you're listening to this when it comes out, it's on patreon.com forward slash right act podcast. You can up your pledge if your pledge is only a pound to five pounds and get the mythical um, <laughs> Ghost Reveries podcast and more classic <laughs> albums when they come out. If you're listening to this sometime in the future and I'm in prison for murdering two builders uh, <laughs> and you're like, oh, uh, then this will be going out for free. But go over to riot, uh, to patreon.com forward slash right act podcast and you can sign up for lots of incredible Yeah, I'm going to say incredible extra content. Do you
1: want to do a little tease for the um, Ghost Reveries podcast, which will never be heard by anyone ever at any point?
0: I made a really good joke. You said... you said driving a ship and then a few minutes later I made a really good pun oh, about yeah. sa- sailing a motorbike. Yes. And I don't think I can...
1: No, that was really good. Fuck, that's going to be lost forever, isn't I think it? that's
0: probably never going to get heard by anyone. Oh,
1: what a shame. Yeah. Because okay. now,
0: if, I, if I'd have said it again, you wouldn't have laughed. You would have gone... You said that before. <laughs> it was, yeah, <laughs> even it, though, it even was though very funny. I made no a faux,
1: I made a faux part, uh, a faux pas with the um saying. I was talking about driving a boat, and uh, yeah, you said saying uh, You needed to be there, and you guys weren't. This is the thing. This is why we record well, this stuff.
0: No, I wasn't. Is the problem? Everyone else would have been there had I have been there. It's fine, but. Mistakes. Ugh.
1: Things happen. Things happen. And we're... It's they fine. do.
0: Let's go on to the album that we're actually going to be speaking about today, which was suggested to us by Jonathan Davidson. Thanks very much for your contribution, Jonathan, and your <laughs> suggestion, or should I say suggestions, plural, because he gave us the choice mm. of two albums, the only two albums, by the band Velvet Revolver. Contraband or Libertad, he said. Now, we're not sadists, so... <laughs> we've gone for contraband as that is the one that is bearable uh, oh. it's a bit more than bearable to be fair but
1: well yes yes it's indeed. not
0: it's the one that's not unbearable is what I should say mm-hmm.
1: I said this um, to you yesterday and you you sort of raised an eyebrow but I said that I think Libertad is the worst thing that slash has ever the worst studio recording that slash has ever put his name to. i think
0: there are second and third slash albums which are hideous yeah
1: yeah i mean my argument to that is libertad i can't recall a single decent song on it and uh Mm. i I think every slash album uh, they're very average but all of them have a couple of brilliant songs on them um but yeah.
0: Brilliant. You're happy to go with the word brilliant? I
1: mean, stuff like Anastasia on, um, uh, apocalyptic love. Oh God, I'd have to call them up now to actually do it. And that feels like a bit of a tangent, but yeah. <laughs> and also
0: an impossible task <laughs> no, it's as well. Not. A kind no. of holy grail of good. songs. I
1: did listen to world on fire. quite. World on fire is the really, really long one. It's 17 tracks. It's 75 mm. minutes. Far, far, far too long, far too much. Nothing, filler.
0: nothing good on that. I
1: yeah, I, I, there's, there's two or three good songs, but I can't remember what they're called and blah 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 i mean i'm not going to rep for Slash's yeah, solo material gl- too much a
0: glowing recommendation for <laughs> Slash's solo material there um well but we, we are to we might
1: on. talk about Slash's snake bit a little bit later which i will be keener on but
0: we'll see okay that's fair enough but um we are really going to talk about as i said contraband released on the 8th of june 2004 the debut album from velvet revolver we seem to have done a fair bit of podcasting recently about supergroups them crooked vultures yeah. killer be killed but i guess this is a this is one of the more super super groups right
1: yeah definitely i mean well really it's just members of guns and roses and stone temple pilots but the the manner in which that melding works i mean i have to admit before i actually heard them i couldn't quite imagine it in my head could you
0: no i i thought it sounded like a really bad idea to be honest
1: hmm. i was i was very very well actually fuck it let's get into this let's just to make the statement now so i was very i'm the big guns and roses fan out of the two of us right um yeah. so uh you know i heard about this happening and i have to say when did this come out 2004 i have to say i was actually a little bit uh despondent about it not so much because I didn't think I'd like it or enjoy it, but because the press is um, like ever since Guns N' Roses became the bloated kind of joke that they became from the mid 90s onwards all the infighting and all that kind of thing. Uh, the press had just been shitty to Guns N' Roses for a, a good decade before this album came out
0: I mean I think that's fair
1: fair in in some in some cases fairly in quite a few cases fairly to be honest considering that they were floundering around and it became axle and friends and all that kind of thing but I always felt so um slash snake pit uh which was basically slash's initial solo project uh, effectively um it was two different bands he released um it's five o'clock somewhere in 1995 and Ain't Life Grand in 2000. Both of which are pretty good records. I mean, It's Five O'Clock Somewhere is too long, um, but it's got some brilliant songs on it. Beggars and Hangers On is fucking class. Ain't Life Grand is a great record. I don't know if you've ever heard that album. Have
0: you heard I it? haven't, no, no. So
1: it, the thing is, it came out in October 2000.
0: Um, oh, fuck me. I do remember there being a new song. Sl- I mean, it goes to show how... Because anything Slash does now is like, just that people go, oh my God, he's back. He's yes. the guitar god. Yes. And in 2000, people were like, oh, mate, give it up.
1: He plays the Mean Fiddler on that gig. C's uh, <laughs> so just wow. raised, raised his eyebrows. Mean Fiddler is 1000 capacity. Uh, and, you know, on on Slash's last solo album, uh, what the fuck was it called? Living the Dream? Oh, I don't Something know. Something like that. Um, He did fucking Wembley Arena, you know, Mm. Um, and it is interesting because I mean, believe me, Steve, if you if you listen to Living the Dream and then you listen to Ain't Life Grand, I do think you'd prefer Ain't Life Grand by quite a way. I think Ain't Life Grand is actually a very good record, like very, very good. Um, But. It came out at a time when no one gave a flying shit about that kind of music. They just didn't care. Solo, guitar solos, no way. No one gave a shit in 2000, you know. Um, And so when this all came together, I was just under the impression that the press were going to be total shits to it again, which isn't quite what happened. I mean, funnily enough, looking back at it, um, it didn't get as uh, strong a critical appraisal as I remembered it getting I have to admit but people did seem genuinely excited by this so something had shifted in the waters hadn't it um, definitely
0: yeah I, I think probably the um, I mean we've spoken a little bit about this before when like the dirt came out and Motley Cruise reputation from sort of 1993 maybe even a little bit before but like you know the the 90s through to the very very early part of the 2000s when new metal was still a massive thing Motley Crue couldn't get arrested. And then suddenly the dirt came out and people were like, ah. And there was this, you know, in metal as well, this kind of return to the classic sound. And it is, you know, once again, I was going to bring up the Linkin Park effect Mm -hmm. that made people go, you know what? Mm -hmm. This is so far away from what I consider rock music that I'm going to not, that." and it's evolved to the point where it doesn't actually feel or sound or look like rock music in any way, so I'm going to retreat as far back as I possibly can to the absolute cliches and the, all the things that were being kind of ridiculed a few years before were now being celebrated, and it seemed to happen very, very quickly. And I do think the the you know the arse end of new metal um, and the most commercial ends of new metal played a massive part in that happening. Um,
1: I think there's there's another key record that that did it, it as far as I'm concerned. The previous, the, the previous summer, the darkness released permission to land, and mm-hmm. I think that almost single-handedly uh, made this kind of music cool again. Um, we've kind of—I can't remember when we talked about it—but we have spoken about how, you know, uh, friends of mine who just took no interest in rock music at all at any point, and the, the sorts of friends who would have laughed at me for being into Guns and Roses. Suddenly, we're picking up um, permission to land and sort of saying, "Oh, this is an amazing record," because mm. uh, you know, fashion cyclical, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. CDs will be back one day, yes. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, you know, I, I, it was it was very it was it's weird to think that four years previously, uh, if this record had been released, I doubt anyone would have given a shit.
0: No, not really. I mean, you say that. I mean, Guns N' Roses. Or Axel and friends are still headlining festivals, like as uncool as it kind of was, and as sort of laughed at as they were considered, they True. still were massive. Obviously, Metallica was still massive. Yeah. I know Metallica always felt like they kept up with the Joneses a little bit more mm-hmm. than um, the other bands did, but yeah, I mean, yeah. I was going to say like permi- permission to land ushered in a kind of. Classic I don't really like revival? the word sort of... Classic yeah, rock well, rock I was going to say a sort of normal... A, a normie, ah. which I don't really like that term, but a sort of normie, ironic appreciation of that stuff.
1: Yeah, that's what that's what bugged me about it. It was the ironic appreciation, mm. wasn't it? Yeah. But. And
0: I mean, just to be super clear... Uh, uh, there's, I think that album's brilliant and there's nothing ironic about how good I think that record is mm. just like I don't ironically like anything by AC/DC. I think it's brilliant and mm. I don't ironically like Guns N' Roses I think they're, they're great mm. I don't ironically like Velvet Revolver but I think people suddenly were like that whole kind of R-A-W-K those people who were writing that and saying oh this shit from a few years ago in the NME who are now like oh yeah horns up guys mm. uh, yeah rock and roll mm. like oh yeah it's back and you know like I said sort of it happened to coincide with the dirt coming coming out and it just it very very quickly turned on the sixpence really didn't it and yeah. suddenly this stuff was cool again
1: it was very quick as well and it did feel like it was permission to land almost single-handedly that did it um i struggled with permission to land for years because of that kind of like it's that thing of like you know i've worn glasses most of my life and glasses were not cool when i was growing up and i'd get bullied for it and now and glasses are kind of cool (laughs) <laughs> these days you know and it's like it's really annoying when when you've been sort of chastised for something for years and then it becomes the zeitgeist you know um mm. i have to admit uh i actually put on permission to land the other day and was like man this is a really good record isn't it i should probably just yeah calm the fuck down
0: <laughs> i don't i mean i don't think it's the darkness's fault that they were sort of swept up in that i mean they yeah. were so cartoony and over the top mm. and Funny. And they seem seem funny and yeah, and seem to delight in the you know in and in the ludicrousness of of rock music. And you would you know you you'd never throw that criticism that they're taking a the piss out of it to Aussie or Judas Priest or Motley Crue or any of those bands. They just seem to be that's what they were. And I think the Darkness were like those bands are great. We want to be like that. But it's unfortunate is that you know in in writing a really great album of sort of queen meets thin lizzie it was so far outside of anything that it, it had to look silly when put up against dizzy rascal and uh linkin park and whatever else was big around that yeah. time it just was gonna look a bit like alien to those people and i think a lot of people jumped on it because they were like ah ha, 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 look at that uh-huh Yeah, well, I
1: think the catsuit had a lot to do with that, didn't it? I mean, I think the catsuit really pushed it into ridiculous territory, (laughs) Um, which was kind of in one sense an inspired move. But in another sense, they um, probably didn't help them with their quote unquote credibility. But then, you know, uh, Mm. it is what it is, I guess. Uh, but yes, um, anyway, so that that paves the way for Velvet Revolver, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Um, Although
0: the idea of Velvet Revolver do sort of predate the darkness anyway. So I think,
1: yes, that's true. Actually. They w-
0: they were going to happen, whatever. And I do think, I mean, Stainable Pilots probably weren't considered cool at this point. But I do think the size of like, you know, st- it's like Soundgarden being fronted, front in front in the machine with Audio mm. Slave. Mm. Stone Temple Pilots front in Guns N' Roses is a lovely idea. Mm. It's a weird idea, a bit like Soundgarden front in the Machine mm-hmm. is a weird idea on paper, but you definitely want to hear it. Um, mm. Mm. I mean, had it have been what it was originally going to be, which um, <laughs> was, you know, uh, it's there's a benefit to former Ozzy Osbourne drummer Randy Castillo, who died in 2002. So Slash, Duff McKagan and Matt Sorum did a benefit concert alongside... Josh Todd and Keith Nelson of Buck Cherry and because the chemistry was so good they decided they would go and um, rehearse as that quintet mm. um, that is far less exciting mm.
1: yeah 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 I mean I trying to take Josh Todd out of Buck Cherry songs I, it's just, I don't think Josh Todd is a bad singer uh, do you? I don't think he's a bad singer. An awful singer?
0: (laughs) A dreadful singer? A diabolical singer? A horrendous singer? I'm talking. A talentless singer? I'm talking
1: technical ability. (laughs) So am I. (laughs) I, I, It doesn't excite me in the same way that Scott Weiland and. uh, Josh
0: Todd can't talk in tune
1: he is i'm a crazy bitch I got a crazy okay bitch, okay blah, 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 blah.
0: yeah when he when he's got all of the um studio trickery behind him mm. that they obviously use with ian brown I've ne- if you've seen i've never if seen if you've them seen, live. Seen, never seen them live. okay he makes fucking burton c bell sound like placido domingo okay he is okay, okay. fucking diabolical live i'll take your word absolute for it. one of one of the all-time worst live vocalists I have ever seen really? Ian Brown, Burton C. Bell, Josh Todd would be the three worst live vocalists I have ever. Who are so 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 far away from what they actually sound like on record.
1: Okay, okay, okay. Didn't know that.
0: But, yeah. yeah, fair. All he's right. he's dreadful. Mm.
1: But he's got that, and he's Crazy Bitch song, hasn't he? Is it Crazy Yeah, yeah bitch? he has. And, and he's has got, got that.
0: <laughs> we yeah. got that one as well. Yeah. Um which is all he had He didn't have Crazy Bitch song at the time. Because Buck Cherry actually would right. split up by this point, And this was the thing that got them back together. And that's when they wrote, Oh, I'm a guy and a mount up a bet." That's when they wrote that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good song, Crazy Bitch.
1: <laughs> is it? I don't know. I can't remember. I
0: <laughs> <frankly> <laughs> Probably. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It was when I heard it, I was like,
1: Oh, it's this is catchy. Um, <laughs> Uh, i mean coronavirus is catchy but it's good yeah
0: um so anyway so they didn't they decided not to after a couple of weeks of having to listen to josh todd (laughs) wailing they went actually maybe not and um they uh i mean they ended up there's a guy kelly Schaefer from a band called neurotica uh Mm. who was kind of going to be the singer. If they brought in Dave, I think they brought in Dave Kushner at this point because when they got rid of Josh Todd, I think they went to Keith Nelson. Well, we would let you stay, but you know that guy, and you've let this happen. Fuck off! Like get out. So they got Dave Kushner in, and then Kelly Schaefer, uh, who it didn't work out with. So this is where now. I've not seen this, but there's a VH1 sort of pop idol style x factor style tv show of them searching for a new vocalist i right? think
1: it's like a reality show type thing okay yeah right yeah. i don't think it's yeah. pop idol like but it's re- it's like a real reality not show. like the
0: did, did you ever see the um the in one no but in excess got a new singer i saw that dude when they came back they played shepherd's bush empire with the new bloke in excess did mm, and i okay. saw it and i loved hearing those songs but i was like this ain't going to work, is not it? not going to work out no. for you. No.
1: <laughs> I think we have to remember that around this time, the Osbournes had been a massive, massive success. Was it around that time? It was around that time, wasn't it? the
0: Osborne's? Yeah, yeah, it would have been, yeah.
1: So, uh, there was an awful lot of this kind of reality TV it was just fucking massive because of Big Brother and all that shite.
0: So, um, uh And also the I mean the Osborne spawned Rock of Love mm-hmm. where Brett Michaels tried to uh, get a girl you, into bed every oh, week.
1: Goodness me, I forgot about that. There was um, was it School of Rock with Gene Simmons as well.
0: Fucking yeah. awful. Yeah and Awful that was shit. one of the better ones i think um and there's a sebastian back one which just follows sebastian back around being a knobhead <laughs> so there were a few yeah there yeah, were a few yeah
1: yeah yeah no i've never seen it either i am very intrigued by it just because of my love of uh guns and and slash and duff and matt saw him, but um i'm also a little bit scared by it as well because most of the reality most of the rock reality tv shows, most of the reality tv shows around that time were Fucking bollocks. So um, uh, I do I do want to see it one day, but I'm also sort of stealing myself a little bit because mm. it'll be rubbish. I've right?
0: never seen it. I have, yeah, I've not got, I can't say I've got a lot of, uh, they've called it a a documentary. They called it on their, no, it's more of a reality show. It's not really a documentary, is it? But apparently um, singers uh, that auditioned for it included Steve Ludwin, formerly of Carrie and Little, little Hell. Do you know Carrie? Do you remember Carrie? He put me on the, he put me on the. They supported A once, and I went down there. and It was sold out, and I hadn't bought a ticket. I just thought, oh, A won't sell out. And they had, <laughs> and then Steve <laughs> Ludman from of Luna. Carrie, yeah, they, that's what he said on the. And everyone was like, well, if they're better than Colt Luna, he <laughs> probably hadn't even formed at that point. Um, <laughs> and Steve Ludman from Carry saw me going, oh no, he can't get tickets, and he was like, I'll put you on our guest list, nice if you call your if you call your firstborn child Carrie. and I said yes, I will do that, and that's why I've never had children. <laughs> Oh, um, I see, I see.
1: Okay, very good. Cool.
0: Sebastian back uh, apparently auditioned for the band. Travis Meeks from Days of the New. Oh, oh. God. Um, and people that turned down an audition were Ian Asprey from The Cult. Mm. Mike Patton. Mm. Mike Patton front In Velvet Revolver.
1: I'd love to see it.
0: Mike Patton at Live 8. Can you imagine that?
1: No, I can't, no. No, I mean,
0: I'd like to. I
1: mean, look, I think Velvet Revolver are much better than this band. But when you consider that um, classic uh, uh, video of Mike Patton's reaction to Wolfmother at a festival, have you seen that? Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't imagine that it would have been Mike Patton's cup of tea, really. No, (laughs) not (laughs) really.
0: And interestingly, another person who turned uh, down an invitation to audition was, and I'm surprised by this, was Miles Kennedy
1: No way I don't think Miles I knew Kennedy
0: that. Miles Kennedy declined an invitation from Matt Sorum to audition for the band now I I I don't know why that is but that's but he did <laughs> he did it was all a thing at that point No he was in the um no, he was in the, other the Mayfield 4 oh, yeah. I think they were called Yeah
1: yeah yeah oh well there you go there you Maybe
0: he didn't think he was you know, good enough to do it at the time. Maybe you didn't know. feel confident. Should still have auditioned for it. Always always take the audition. Mm. Um, Something we probably learned from drama school. <laughs> yes, quite exactly. Yeah, always, always
1: take, the, take audition. the audition. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, Scarlett Hansen does. She's lived her whole life by it, hasn't she? <laughs> Is
1: she? What did, what's that in her oh, People
0: are to... always sh- slagging off Scar- Scarlett Hansen because she's like, she can't play that person. She's not really japanese she can't play that person she's not really a, an egg like she can't play that so in the book that person has is of you know mixed heritage and she's like i just went for the audition to make money fuck you uh, which on. i think is fair enough let's move um on. <laughs> uh, and then along comes um scott wayland uh, scott thought, wayland i
1: thought you were gonna say and then along comes the hulk because that comes later, but yeah, sorry. Yeah, God. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Imagine the whole auditioning for Velvet Revolver. That would have been good.
0: Yeah, I mean, it would have <laughs> been still would have been better than Josh Todd. Trust me. Sorry, um, So Scott Whalen apparently was mates with Duff McKagan because they went to the same gym. <laughs> that sounds gym. right. <laughs> gym. Um, hey, Duff McKagan. Quote, definitely unquote, works gym. Out. Yeah. Oh yeah. definitely. Yeah. Um, uh. And. Um, Scott Whelan was in rehab at the same time as Matt Sorum. So they had a sort of bit of a relationship. And uh, so they gave him a load of of material. And um, he turned it down because Stone Temple Pilots was still basically a touring thing. And he was like, I don't have time Mm. to do this. Mm. But when Stone Temple Pilots did disband in 2002, um, he decided to add some vocals to some of the songs that they'd sent him. Yes, Hence uh, why the... Uh, well, well, why the, how the band were kind of, the, the, the lineup, this supergroup lineup, that's sort of how it formulated.
1: It's interesting that you say in 2002 as well, because as you said at the top of this, uh, this uh, album came out in, yeah, summer 2004. So there was a long fucking, I remember there being a long wait, like a long, long, long wait. It's like, I want to hear this stuff. Um, but the, yeah, the first recorded track, Set Me Free, slightly different version of Set Me Free to the one that you hear on the record. Uh, taken from the Hulk soundtrack hence me mentioning yeah. the Hulk seen that version of the Hulk
0: which is that the one with Eric Banner
1: well they've all got Eric Banner in them because that's the character no they've
0: all got Bruce Banner in him
1: oh no I think you're right aren't you it's the yes it's the well yeah, it's the Angley that was why one. it
0: was so confusing yeah <laughs> Angley don't make me angly. <laughs> you won't like me when <laughs> I'm angly. yeah
1: exactly um <laughs> abs- <laughs> fucking rubbish awful film dreadful dreadful yeah. film uh one of the most boring films i've ever seen in my entire life um but uh yeah we've got set me three from it and a cover of pink floyd's money for the italian job remake which i've never seen but it's probably fucking dreadful
0: oh that is that is spectacularly bad
1: isn't that with marky mark marky yes mark and with
0: ed norton little interesting fact about the remake of the italian job uh-huh. ed norton doesn't do any promo has never done and didn't do any promo for that film he didn't want to be in it and do you know why he took it because the studios because he brought fight club to the studio and went i want to do this i want to do this this is your, oh, please let me do this and the studio that he was signed to went will green light this film and you can make sure you're in it if you sign on to do the italian job and he was like oh for f-. so next time you see an actor in a in a really bad film Don't Mm. take out on the actor. They've probably been blackmailed into doing something they want to do. It's when you get to, like, you know, Robert De Niro's age and all he does is rubbish things. That's when you go, like, okay, yeah, yeah, I've lost the plot a little bit. (laughs) But if it's, like, one-on-one-off, then it's probably some sort of barter deal that they've got going on. So, yeah, they've made Ed Norton be an Italian job. There's
1: a really common thing, isn't there, that um, as soon as uh, someone wins a Best Actor or Best Actress um, Oscar, the next film that they do is going to be shit. Like mm. there, there's that's a common pattern apparently. I don't know. I can't remember any examples. Uh, but uh, I think I think like well, yeah.
0: Tom Tom Hanks when he won uh, the best actor for Philadelphia. Next year he was in Forrest Gump, which is a little shh. Why
1: you? T- mm. That's a joke, great. isn't it? Forrest Gump's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, uh, oh god, you made me all teary thinking about Forrest Gump now. Um, what did you feel when you first heard Set Me Free? Do you oh,
0: God, i mean i don't even i, I mean i have seen that whole film i don't remember it from the soundtrack and i don't remember going out of my way to listen to it i wasn't really interested in hard rock stuff you just didn't care so i wasn't okay. i wasn't interested in Velvet revolver i wouldn't have listened to it at the time at the
1: time oh okay 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 so i heard it and i was like yeah it's interesting um i think the version on the album is better if i'm honest uh, it's remixed and it has a slightly different ending uh but i don't think set me free um is one of the strongest songs on the album is it
0: no not at all yeah
1: so it is it is an interesting first one for them to put out because it was just a bit like okay this is cool but i wasn't particularly excited uh the cover of money have you heard that
0: no i haven't heard that either have you
1: not oh okay um it's relatively straight um it's fine i mean i don't i don't really like pink floyd direction. uh but yeah it's fine <laughs> it's yeah. fine money is not should have
0: done a cover set you free i really hoped when i saw the track list and i really hoped it was going to be the entrance song <laughs> that
1: would have been interesting for sure yeah. um yeah money is not uh one of my favorite pink floyd songs i have to say so you know
0: so it's a good song though is it Yes, I mean,
1: let's let's yeah, let's not not get into this. Um, where where are we going now? <laughs> okay.
0: Well, I guess after that, um, they you know they they went and recorded the album in full. Yeah, they fucking I guess did. didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah they did, August, and it came out August and yeah. December
1: two thousand and three. Um, and uh, yeah, it came out to pretty favorable reviews. I mean, what I did notice. I said earlier that I remember this uh, this album getting astonishing reviews at the time. I mean, Metacritic has given it an average score of 65 based on 14 reviews, which doesn't really echo the reviews that I was seeing at the time. But I remember it getting like 4Ks in Kerrang!, 4Stars um, in Q magazine. I think it's when I saw 4Stars in Q magazine, it was like, oh, it's not just the people that this is for who are saying they like it
0: astonishingly good Q called it by all accounts
1: yeah and and, and generally I think they're right um, hmm. I think a lot of those uh, re- reviews that brought the score down a little bit are probably from the American magazines by the looks of it um, or websites I mean blabbermouth.net gave it 6 out of 10 by the looks of it very harsh Blender 3 out of 5 Entertainment Weekly a B minus hey. uh, even Mojo gave it 4 out of 5 which is yeah. uh, pretty you know pretty good uh rolling stone were quite kind to it four out of five stylus magazine gave it d plus unbelievable Mm. uh yahoo music the (laughs) the place that everyone goes to for their music reviews gave it eight out of ten um what did ask
0: jeeves give it
1: (laughs) well jeeves jeeves doesn't like classic rock so uh, he gave it three (laughs) out of ten um so when did you first hear this record then
0: i saw the video for slither
1: Mm. Good video there, that.
0: And I was like, because I, I was just totally disinterested in this.
1: Mm.
0: Had absolutely not a care in the world. I was like, okay, those guys from that old band and that singer from that band who did sort of three or maybe four, four good albums. I'll say four. Like five years ago um, have done a band. And I can't imagine this will be very good. And then I saw the video for Slither. And I was like, fucking hell, this is wicked. This is well good.
1: Slither is a world-beating classic of a song, isn't it? Yeah. It's fucking amazing. And I love the fact. One of my favorite things, this is, I mean, we can get into the record now. This is a this is a great record. It's a really good record. Um and I love the fact that it's 13 tracks. 14 if you're, you've you got the UK edition with the uh, live cover. Sex of Pistols cover. Sex Pistols cover, which is pretty good, actually. Um, but let's say it's 13 tracks. And the fact that they can put a song as good as Slither on track 11 out of 13, I think says quite a lot about the record. To be totally honest, I mean, I hadn't revisited this album for quite a long time. Um, but I listened to it again yesterday. And... I think it's held up really fucking well. Do you agree?
0: Oh yeah, I do. Yeah. I, I think it's it's one of the best versions of this thing, of this kind of modern classic sleaze thing mm. that happened in the mid noughties through to which is still sort of happening now. Like classic rock's back now, isn't it? It's just it is it's back, it's here, it's happened. <laughs> like we all have to live with it, unfortunately. Mm. Um <laughs> and you know, and most of it is really kind of Mm. artless, sexless, bland, bloated, dull rehashes of things that have already happened. This manages to sound enough like Guns N' Roses and enough like Stone Temple Pilots, but also enough like something... Something I don't want to say modern because it came out in 2004, so modern for 2004 standards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it sounds pretty heavy and dark and all the right you know it's 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 got that grunge i think wayland brings a little bit of grunge to it mm. and a little bit of kind of stoogesy slink to it mm. that i don't think the other guys necessarily would have had with i mean certainly with miles kennedy or uh ian asprey or well, you know whoever the guy from days of the new um fronting them
1: there's a bit of danger in it isn't there and they managed to um, dance on the line between contemporary and, and retro, which I know is a, um, uh, they're like polar opposites, but it does sound contemporary and retro at the same time, you know, yeah. which I think all of these, all of the best sort of quote unquote classic rock records do sound contemporary and retro at the same time if mm-hmm. you're doing that new thing. But it's an incredibly difficult line to, um, to, to, balance on it's a it's a difficult beam to balance on i would say i mean re listening to it yesterday certainly track 1 to 6 i was listening to the first half of the record and it occurred to me for the first time i think this might have been, it might have been because i knew i was going to talk to you about it and i thought i in my head you have once said that this album did you once say that this album's better than appetite for destruction
0: Oh, I was about to say that in a minute, yes.
1: Sorry for spoiling that.
0: So <laughs> so
1: I listened to it with that in mind, because I think I heard you say that somewhere else. And I have to admit, I, you know, I was ready to come on here and just, you know, be like, don't be so stupid. The first six songs, I have to admit that I was kind of with you i think i think the first half of this record matches appetite i think it is that good it is i think the reason why i wouldn't fully go with you is because i think it drops off a, a, a not off a cliff but i think it does drop i think the second half does drop off a bit it has it has still has great moments on it uh such as slither
0: uh, I, loving I, the aliens brilliant way to close it I think
1: I like loving the alien I don't love it uh, but I do like it it sounds like uh, paper faces by feeder <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell yeah it does
1: <laughs> um you know, the second half is is not not bad at all, but th- there are no. a few songs on there which are a bit meh, and and I think for that reason alone, I don't think it is as good as Appetite for Destruction. But I will say, I will say, it's not as crazy a thing to say as some people might, because a, a lot of people would you'd say that to some people, and they just go, oh, don't be so stupid. Yes, I, I, I don't, is what, I don't,
0: what was said to me, <laughs>
1: right? And I, I, don't think it's, I, I, I don't agree, but I don't think it's far off. I will I will say that. I don't think it's far off Appetite at all.
0: Well, here's my thing, right? Basically, this, I mean, this is not actually as good as Appetite for Destruction, really.
1: So objectively every, it isn't, but you prefer it. Every, every
0: song on Appetite for Destruction needs to be there. Yeah. Every song apart is from, great.
1: Apart from Anything Goes, yeah.
0: Okay, fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> um, probably off. I think Headspace, Superhuman, mm. You Got No Right, I Could Happily Lose Them.
1: Yeah, yeah. Dirty Little Thing.
0: I like "Dirty Little." I mean, all even right. though it's got Keith Keith Nelson's Buck Cherry fingerprints all over yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm actually <laughs> all right with that song. I think okay. it's like, I mean, it's it's in between two songs that I really love, mm. and that can either go one of two ways when you when you have that. You either think, "Oh, this is bringing everything down," or it gets elevated because of what's surrounding it. And in this case, I feel like, although it's not as good as either of those songs, it does. It's it's different enough, and it's good enough for me to feel like it kind of. They, they work as a three mm-hmm. Set me free obviously spoken about as the first one I think because a lot of people knew it I'm always like oh yeah well it was you know it, it can be in there not that it's anywhere near one of my favorites at all. I don't but... I
1: don't think set me free is necessary to be on there No probably
0: say. probably not um but you I mean I don't mind you got no right. you got no right okay. uh, but he, yeah but headspace and superhuman are the two where I'm like eh, you can get rid of them too yeah
1: yeah I, I don't mind headspace uh Superhuman can go. Um, i probably would have got rid of you got no right even though i un- i sort of understand why it's there because it the thing is is without it eh, it's kind of another ballad moment isn't it so it probably needs it at that point although if you made it short it yeah. probably wouldn't need it at that point so there you go yeah but, maybe yeah. so
0: here's what i would uh, like obviously appetite for destruction is a far more consistent and better album it was obviously revolutionary for the time yada 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 this does something which Appetite for Destruction doesn't do. And it's what Scott Whelan, as a vocalist, as a vocalist, I prefer Scott Whalen and his style and his style of music to Axl Rose. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what Scott Whalen does on something like, you know, Big Machine is not what Axl Rose would do on definitely. Big Machine. Yep, definitely. And I prefer that style. And I think that the Matt Sorums and the Duff McKagans and the Slashes, rather than it being, you know, appetite for destruction is what everyone loves about it, it is it isn't it is it is essentially a glam rock record but it's dirtied up a bit mm. and then grunge dirtied it everything right up mm. you listen to alice and change listen to sound and it was kind of taking that 70s hard rock and making it really really dirty and that was a complete 180 flip-flop from what was going on before I think the guys in Guns N' uh, Roses guys who are in Velvet Revolver take what they do best and what they're good at doing, which is that kind of glammy, you know, that kind of rather than that 80s glam thing, maybe that 70s glam thing mm-hmm. that they do, that mm-hmm. kind of punked up glam New York Dolls thing, and they make it a little bit more dirty and cynical and grungy. And for me, and for what I like... yeah. That is a much that is a sound that I'm much more comfortable and in, and I, I enjoy more. So, although I am aware that Appetite for Destruction is one of the great albums ever and yada yada yada, I genuinely do prefer. If you said to me you can only listen to one of these two albums for the rest of your life, I would pick Contraband. I'm yeah. not even fucking around. I would pick Contraband.
1: Do you know what's um, surprising? I think I'd pick Contraband. <laughs>
0: and the reason
1: why i say that but although the reasons are totally different um i the reason i pick contraband is because i've listened to appetite for destruction so many times in my life that i can play it in my head yeah i really can i can play every single note of that song in my head so mm. if i was on a I desert, that- if i was on a desert island and only given one record i could play contraband al- aloud and i'd have appetite for destruction in my head but yeah
0: yeah Yeah. i mean i i mean you know a song like you know what like superhuman which i'm like you could totally get rid of that Mm. um i would still rather listen to that than listen to sweet child of mine which i never i genuinely never want to hear sweet child of mine ever Mm. again Mm -hmm
1: -hmm. yeah and when these songs are good i mean do it for the kids I, i i'd never really noticed for example how reminiscent do it for the kids was of it's so easy for example mm. i mean i do think it's so easy as a better song if i'm totally honest but do it for the kids does have that kind of it's so easy i mean it, it's it does it does flow in a similar way certainly when it starts it does flow in a similar way to appetite for destruction as well i don't know if that was on purpose or not who knows um but you know and there are some things on this i mean the um matt sorum i never really kind of even on the use your illusion stuff i Never saw him. I never I never looked at Matt Sorum and went, Wow, you're a really, really good drummer, aren't you? You know, when like I don't know, seeing him do knocking on Heaven's door or or whatever. Um, but the beginning of a legal eye song, for example, that drum roll thing that he does at the beginning of that is fucking amazing. Like I think this might be the best Matt Sorum performance I've heard committed to tape, anyway uh like studio performance you know yeah he's doing stuff in it where i'm like oh fuck i didn't know you could do that <laughs> you know um and yeah there's there's just some there's some just really good i mean we've not even talked about four to pieces yeah have we which is you know one of oh, the great modern rock ballads
0: i th- i think so yeah and the you know again the video back mm. when people watched videos and cared about videos the video is um is is kind of Scott Whalen's story, isn't it? And now with Scott Whalen gone, that actually is quite a quite a moving video to see Scott Whalen like recreate his demons, and that's what that song's about. Um, yeah, I love "Fall to Pieces." I think it's brilliant. I don't often like songs like that, but again, "Fall to Pieces" or "Sweet Child of Mine" it's just like an. I mean, God, that is an absolute no brainer. Well, um, it's
1: e- it's even more poignant now as well, Fall to Pieces, because that is exactly what happened to Scott. You know, yeah. I mean, it, unfortunately, he didn't come out of it. It wasn't a happy ending. So it's even more poignant now when you look back at it. And um, I mean, again, I think I would probably say that I do object. Mm, do I think Sweet Child of Mine's a better song objectively than Fall to Pieces? Even if I did, and I think I probably do, they're fucking close. And I would agree with you that these days I'd rather listen to Fall to Pieces than Sweet Child of Mine, just because I've heard Sweet Child of Mind fucking billion times before. Yeah. And I've only heard Fall to Pieces a thousand. <laughs> you know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's wicked. I mean, there are, there are just I mean, like you say, that that first, that run of six, like I I, I mean, I, I mentioned it earlier, but Big Machine. I love Big oh, Machine. Big I mean, it's just great. like it's, and it's i was listening to it yesterday and i was like do i like this because it's so thick do you know what i mean it's such a stupid it's like a big like dumb it's a proper dumb song it is it's big machine it's a big machine it's a big yeah. machine but like mm. it's, it's just great yeah, though. it's like it's just yeah. so but
1: good
0: it's just, that's what's good about rock music is it's when it's it can be big and dumb and fun and brilliant and you know again these are you know, are, are people listening to, um, are people listening to the darkness and being like, Ooh, your horns up guys. Are they kind of like uh, half laughing with the stupidity of it and the ludicrousness of it? I feel like maybe you could listen to a song like big machine and just be like, it's a big machine and then go, ha ha. I love that song. It's so stupid, but actually it, you love it. Cause it's, it's genuinely fucking wicked as stupid as it is. Like, yeah, I, that's a, that's a banger. Absolute banger.
1: I'm, rarely a uh an advocate of uh big dumb rock songs as we've discussed loads but big machine is fucking brilliant
0: mm. yeah proper so. yeah it's really good this record it's a bit long it is um, a tad
1: long it is a tad long um
0: but it's good i think, know it, they did i they think, did some good covers with it as well i think yeah
1: yeah yeah go on good
0: go, well, I was going to say, you know, obviously bodies, the bodies cover, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, like, I think anytime any of those bands go near the Sex Pistols, I'm always like, well, any time American bands go near the Sex Pistols, I'm always like, oh, please don't, please. Like, I mean, Megadeth's Anarchy in the UK. I think Motley Crue did Anarchy in the UK as well, um, or God Save the Queen or something. Or anytime an American band try and cover the Sex Pistols, I'm just like, just don't just don't do that just Mm -hmm. just don't do that Mm -hmm. um but to be fair they've picked not the most obvious one it's not a completely insane one to cover but it's not the most obvious one um you know it's not pretty vacant or god save the queen or anarchy in the uk so they get a pass for that and it's it's pretty it's pretty good Mm. Like Scott Whalen gives it the full Johnny Rotten, like Yeah, hey, I'm Birmingham, like and all that. Um, <laughs> yes, he
1: does. Yes, he which, does. Which I
0: like, and it's and it's just taken live as well. I mean, if they're just going to cover it live, they did seem to do quite a lot of covers in like you know live uh, environments as well. Negative Creep cover is on the Australian bonus disc. I've not heard that. No uh, more, no I, more. I I Aerosmith
1: saw Smith. them play Negative Creep live. Oh, really? How mm. was that? Yeah, good. Really good. Mm. Really, really
0: okay. good. And Surrender by Cheap Trick, which is Mm-hmm. A banger, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. an absolute yep. banger. Yep. Um, So yeah, like even the stuff that you don't really need is quite decent. Did you I did s- do Tears in Heaven as well? Apparently, yeah, for uh, the
1: earthquake relief fund or something like that. For the was it the tsunami?
0: The Indian Ocean earthquake.
1: Oh, the Indian Ocean earthquake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I've not heard don't, that. I don't really want to hear it, to be honest. No,
0: nah, I don't need that. Do don't need that. Did
1: you see them live around this time?
0: No, I didn't, no.
1: I saw them at the Hammersmith Apollo. Uh,
0: I wanted to go to that, and I didn't go.
1: Yeah, they played Hammersmith. Great story. I I didn't realise this, but they played Hammersmith Apollo five times. No, six times, apparently, uh, according to Setlist FM. Uh, On the trot? Not on the trot. No, 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 no. But they played six times between September 2nd, 2004 and June 5th, thousand seven um but they did do a couple of nights in a row uh i either went january 9th or january 10th 2005 i can't remember which but i went to one of those shows it looks like the status was the same but both nights supported by the datsuns
0: oh yeah who were great and yeah they're good life biffy Clyro, who i'm sure got a wonderful reception <laughs> Well, I
1: fucking loved Biffy Clyro at this point, as we've discussed quite a lot. They were on Infinity Land. uh, And uh, no one gave a flying fuck. I remember being more or less front row (laughs) for Biffy Clyro because I think I was maybe second or third, but. I just strolled in and right up to the front. Um and more or less stayed there for most of the gig. Uh but yeah, um it just people were just fucking clueless. Uh and uh, the intro for Glitter and Trauma came in the the one which doesn't sound like a Biffy Clyro song yeah. and people were like what the fuck is this? Um yeah. All that. Yeah. I mean I thought I thought Biffy were fucking amazing but yeah obviously loads of people were just like, oh. Huh? Datsuns went down very well though, and they were great. To be fair, Um, were they
0: main support Datsuns or Biffy? uh,
1: Datsuns were main support. Yeah. Right.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Mm.
1: Uh, But apparently, Biffy were asked because was it Duff? One of the band fucking loved them, so that's why they were they were specifically asked to open. Which you know. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm glad because I loved it, but uh, no one else seemed to care. <laughs> but they were only, they were on for like six songs from what I recall. But yeah.
0: I'm not surprised by that yeah. at all. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. Um, it sold 256,000 copies in its first week of release. Going in at number one on the Billboard 200. Mm. Back in the days when rock music could get a number one. <laughs> and it was a big, and the charts were a big deal. I mean. Yeah the best ever debut for a new rock artist in the SoundScan era, apparently. And it's eventually ended up selling 2.9 million copies in the United States and 4 million copies worldwide. For the kind of (laughs) afterthought band, like when you think of Duff and Slash and Matt Sorum, Velvet Revolver and even Scott Whalen, you know, Velvet Revolver are basically a sort of, oh, they did this other thing as well. 4 million copies of one record. Yeah. It's pretty good. It's
1: great. It's very, very, very good indeed. Yeah, it's very, very good. It's just a bloody shame that it all went a bit tits up.
0: It did go all a bit tits up. Um Before we kind of move on, I mean, the only live thing I did see for them from that period, I've seen a video from them playing Ozfest when it was Black Sabbath. Or was it Aussie? Well, you know, it's Black Sabbath. Black Sabbath, Aussie, him. That thing. I didn't go to that download, but they played that. But also they played Live 8. Yes. You remember that?
1: I do remember Live 8, yeah, I don't remember their performance specifically, but I'm guessing they played Fall to Pieces and Slither and someone else.
0: Uh, They played Suckertrain Blues, Dirt for the Kids, Fall to Pieces and Slither, yes. There we go, Yeah, You're right, four Mm. songs. Jonathan Ross took the piss out of them uh, um, while they're playing because, you know, they weren't keen. Mm -hmm. Um, He wasn't keen on them and they weren't. Very Keen nice. or Miss Dynamite or all the other, so all the other massive, all the other big artists like you know Velvet Revolver, obviously this guy from Stone Temple Pilots and the guys from Guns N' Roses, not really a big deal, not when you compare them to, you know, the really big artists like you know, Razorlight and Pete Doherty, like they had that day. <laughs> um, this is why for those who don't remember, fucking stupid. Yeah, well, <laughs> for those of you don't know or remember Live Aid, it was twenty years after Live Aid, which we've spoken about. Um, Bob Geldof decided to do uh, the free Hyde Park one. It was for the, the G8 to kind of... It wasn't even to raise money, was it? It was to raise awareness of the G8 meeting. Um, it was to raise
1: awareness for climate change, which is the dumbest it, the yeah. dumbest fucking thing in the world because the amount of emissions that that concert would have put, put into the fucking air is just insane. Uh, yeah. But yeah, there you go. Uh, and And they didn't... I don't think they did it. I don't think they thought about that at all. I don't think they like they didn't they didn't bother trying to like get like environmentally friendly lights in or anything like that they didn't have LED like they just didn't it was massively and massively criticised and quite rightly too frankly and
0: they they had it in Philadelphia and Berlin and Sydney and Paris and like oh, and somewhere in Russia and one in Vancouver as well or, or Toronto somewhere in Canada and they had them like all over the world all happening at the same time but obviously the Hyde, the Hyde Park one was, was the big one and um, was it Hyde Park? But, I
1: thought it was Wembley Stadium wasn't it? Or um, no, was High park. High you're park. thinking of live
0: you're thinking of live earth oh, i think maybe sake, i can't
1: remember them all oh, right yeah probably yes yeah.
0: So i think live earth is the emissions one because live eight was sur- something about the g8 summit let me get it up actually. i'm probably
1: confusing them yes 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 i mean yes i that sounds right
0: it was taken to precede um the g8 conference and summit held in glen Eagles hotel uh but it's a benefit concert, called global call to action against poverty. Okay. Yeah, you're thinking of Live Earth. I'm thinking of Live Earth. My apologies. Yeah, which I, yeah. which happened a couple of years later yeah. and was possibly even worse. Um, although Metallica played, Metallica that, played that was at Wembley yeah. Stadium. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah there was a lot of shit. Berlin went to that, didn't he? I'm
1: sure I've he heard did. Yes. Yeah he,
0: that, did, yeah. yeah, he did. Yeah, he went to that. Um, and um, there was, there was a um. A lot of chat from, I mean, th- that did get, you know, th- there wasn't enough African artists. on. Damon, I think Damon Albarn said Blur weren't going to reform. But unlike Live Aid, when Bob Geldof read out the name and said Queen will be playing before he booked them, uh, he tried, to, and then they just went, oh, shit, well, we have to do that. And they were like, The Who were going to reform, and they, The Who didn't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. And apparently Roger Dolce and Pete Townsend phoned him up, and he's like, what the fuck? Why are you doing it? And he's like, well, I've said you're doing it now, so you better do it. Mm-hmm. And they did. Mm-hmm. Um, he tried to pull the same trick on with Live Aid, as well and he said that the reformed Guns N' Roses would be playing
1: oh I didn't know this
0: yeah Uh, now this is why Velvet Revolver played because Bob Geldof said yep Guns N' Roses are reforming and people went I don't think they are I really don't think they are right and so he got hold of Axl Rose and he was like do you want to play and I think Axl Rose apparently went yes we'll play the band will play and he's like you and Slash and he was like no 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 not Slash right not Duff my band, my current band. And Bob Galef went, nah, people want the, and Axel Rose just went, fuck off then. But like, you're out, not at all. Like, we're not doing it. And so Bob Galef went, ah, shit. And he had to get, he had to basically beg, Not probably not even beg, but he then had to ask Velvet Revolver. And Velvet Revolver did it as right. the stand-ins to the original Guns N' Roses, who were the stand-ins who, who you know, he probably could have got, Axel and Friends if he but he didn't want that and then Axel fucking and those those two chucking a pad at each other neither of them are going to back down so in the end he had to just sort of stick with Velvet Revolver Mm.
1: at that point which is no bad thing well at that point uh Velvet Revolver would have been better than Axel and Friends as I mean I I I saw Axel and Friends in 2006 and it was woeful so yes
0: yeah, yeah I I imagine that's true but what I would say is that as big as Guns and um, as big as Velvet Revolver were to the likes of you and I, mm. who paid attention to rock music and yada yada yada, and as big as like Slither would have been a hit from a year before, or whatever. Mm. I, I don't think the people that were there to see Robbie Robbie Williams and Elton John, and you know a reformed Pink Floyd, aren't going to get as excited about watching Sucker Train Blues as they would be watching. Guns and Roses oh. doing "Sweet Child of Mine" or "Welcome to the Jungle." Of so course not. Of course not. It was a bit of a bit of a backfire, really. Yeah. And I think Velvet Revolver, where uh, uh, you looked at the bill and you went, "How weird that they're on there." Mm, mm,
1: mm. Yeah. Well,
0: there you go, Bob. Yeah. Still not the weirdest thing on. The, I mean, the, the good, I guess the good thing about it is, is now uh, you you <laughs> now you look at it and you just think, well, I mean, you had the fucking Kaiser Chiefs and. <laughs> pete dockerty and keen and people like that on there i mean that looks even worse now uh because they're absolute fucking nobodies so you know well travis
1: you say that there is a new keen album coming out soon yeah which obviously we won't cover
0: no hopefully no one will <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, might be my least favorite band from that era keen
0: yeah, pretty bad. Fucking awful. Pretty fucking bad, they were. I mean, that, I'm just looking at the lineup now. Dido. It, it it actually goes Bob Geldof, Bill Gates, Dido. I think Bill Gates is my favorite musician out of those three. <laughs> Co- R.E.M. into Kofi Annan, into Miss Dynamite, into Keen. I mean, fucking hell, that fell off a cliff, didn't it? <laughs> fucking, you're like, oh, yes, R.E.M. And then Kofi Annan comes on, you go, eh. Mm. that's Miss Dynamite oh no that's Keen oh yeah yeah I agree not good
1: yeah Mm. dreadful
0: Snow Patrol going on after Madonna Christ Joss Stone
1: oh Joss I mean
0: that run Snow Patrol the Killers the the Killers are big Snow Patrol the Killers Joss Stone Scissor Sisters Velvet Revolver Lenny Henry Sting Dawn French Mariah Carey David Beckham Robbie Williams Peter Kay oh (sighs) (laughs) i've got to sit for all that to get to fucking pink floyd there's the who and pink floyd and you're like well i I want to die now (laughs) razor like ubi like annie lennox and ub 40 just give it up anyway raise a lot of money for a very good cause probably i don't really know um but yes so they did that anyway um after that happened uh like you say, Renfrey, it all sort of went to shit. Mm, mm, yeah. Well, they
1: followed up Contraband uh, three years later with Libertad, um, which we've chosen not to speak about because uh, it's an album that goes in one ear and goes straight out the other <laughs> very, very
0: quickly. Um, Apparently it's going to be a concept album initially. Was it? Fuck, what was the concept know. gonna be like no album, idea. boringest album i yeah yeah exactly
1: i'm looking at the track list right now and i vaguely recall she builds quick machines because it was a single and she builds quick machines is okay but the rest of the record i could not tell you a single i'm all i could tell you is it's crap um it's just it's just nothing it just doesn't it's really bad. Interestingly, I mean, didn't seem to be reviewed that badly. Uh, this is Aye. this is insane. Entertainment Weekly, who I said gave uh, Contraband a D+. Yeah. They gave Libertad an A-. Minus.
0: Which is enough to make you never pay attention to their opinion about anything ever again, <laughs> isn't
1: it? It's fucking insane. Uh, according to Metacritic, the album actually scored better with critics overall than contraband wasn't uh, contraband was what 65 out of 100 this one's 68 out of 100 which is insane i mean play these two albums back to back and objectively contraband is better i mean i i will fucking die on that hill jesus christ i will die on that hill um yeah and as i said at the beginning of this i do i do think there is a strong uh case to be made that libertad is the worst recorded thing slash has put his name to it's bad
0: i mean i do think that the i do really think that the um some of that solo stuff is dodgy but they're not great
1: you know that i certainly agree with you in terms of the solo stuff but i but i reckon i could pick at least two maybe even three great songs off of every single slash solo album um let's let's say two because uh (laughs) i don't want to make it too difficult for myself um and i can't do that with this album
0: do you remember the tv show in the 90s you bet yes where people would come on and go (laughs) i bet i can drive a tractor over this table full of crockery and not break any china i reckon i can name every grand national horse i reckon i can um yeah 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 i can fucking ride my bmx over the over like 50 fucking tra- traffic cones or whatever. Yeah. And they'd have to bet whether they can do it or not. If that show was still around now, I would make you go on there and <laughs> do a new bet of can I name three good slash songs from every slash album?
1: All right. Um, and I would bet
0: against it. And I think the audience would bet against it as well. Matthew Kelly would shove you out of the building for making a fool of yourself.
1: <laughs> well, Anastasia from Apocalyptic Love is great. Uh, and You're a Lie is a fan. You're a Lie! It's fucking awesome. So there's two. Apocalypse of love uh world on fire this is harder um mm, i think beneath the savage sun's really good i think that's a metal one uh and bent to fly is quite f- good i think
0: bent to fly <laughs> yeah bent to fly
1: <laughs> Believe it or not, I think is actually quite good. I mean, the album as a whole is way too long. It's 77 minutes and 24 seconds. Fucking hell. I had to listen to that album a lot because that's the album that I interviewed Slash on. Fuck me. It's... Uh bit of a tricky one
0: mr slash mr slash yes i called him
1: mr slash um <laughs> i don't actually know living the dream very well in fact i'm trying to remember if i've even heard it so that's going to be a bit of a tougher one for me uh but i like the sound of uh boulevard of broken hearts and lost inside the girl just from their titles <laughs> well,
0: consider that proof <laughs> uh, that's all anyway yeah so i mean it's bad but libertad is bad Dreadful, and dreadful record. Scott Wayland basically um shit started getting started getting cancelled to around this period after they went in, in touring Libertad. Um health issues. Mm. Scott Wayland going back into a rehab facility. Um he crashed his car. Mm. Remember once, didn't he? he crashed yeah. his car. Mm. Um drink driving. Mm. Um and then they kind of came back and there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, rumors going around about what Scott had been getting up to at that point And the fact that he had sort of got back into, you know, um, some pretty negative things, which is a real shame. The
1: media were real cunts around this time, though, as well, because I think they wanted a Guns N' Roses Mark II, a Guns N' Roses Circus Mark 2. Uh, I mean, lots of people wanted a Guns N' Roses Mark II musically as well. And I think on Contraband, they more or less got it um but um yeah i think the media circus wanted to make it uh like the hedonistic days of guns and roses and um you know at the end of the day this was a man who was uh who had an illness who had an addiction um Mm. that they were kind of i don't know if mocking is um going too far but certainly trying to you know make salacious and um yeah yeah, really shit. And, and it ended
0: up being a pretty ac- acrimonious departure with Scott w- with you saw yeah. Scott Whalen being kicked out. Yeah. And you know, there was chat of like them arguing on stage and stuff. Scott Whalen got kicked out, but then he issued a statement saying that, you know, they were a gang and they were sort of ganging up on him and yeah. you know it was just pretty horrible. But then that didn't necessarily mean it was going to be the end of Velvet Revolver. I mean, I think at this point I would be very surprised if we ever saw anything from Velvet Revolver again, but mm. there was that search for a new singer again there was, um, yeah. with all kinds of names being brought up. I mean, I remember um, again, Miles Kennedy got rumoured mm-hmm. to be the the singer. Um, Corey Taylor was someone I remember. Apparently, like Corey Taylor was do wanted to do that and Anthrax. He was rumoured to be doing both of them at one point, wasn't I he? I
1: believe Corey Taylor actually auditioned, didn't he? They, I think they jammed. I, 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 if if I'm remembering this correctly, I think they actually jammed. If I'm, uh, I can't remember if I'm remembering that right or not. I'll fact check that.
0: Uh, but yeah, okay. I
1: believe I believe they did. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I feel like something like that happened. Um, and then you got people like Royston Langdon from Space Hog. I mean, <laughs> fucking hell. In 2008, you best you know that he's auditioning for your band. He's like, <laughs> it is one hit. <laughs> Great song. But um, yeah, uh, Chester Bennington was another one who um, auditioned. Who, I think Chester Bennington took his... Um, his want to follow in Scott Whalen's footsteps a little bit too far, to be perfectly <laughs> honest.
1: Especially when, he, yeah, he did that EP. Have you ever heard that EP with Stone Temple Pilots? A bit of
0: it with Stone Temple Pilots. Well,
1: so. I've never heard it. I'm assuming you think it's rubbish. Yeah. Hey, we've been sent. Well, I've been sent anyway. The 90 track Hybrid Theory uh, box set. So we've got that looking to to look forward to, haven't we? Do a whole whole show i've been sent that as well i've been um, sent it okay good
0: blocked the pr (laughs) blocked and reported um (laughs) for abuse (laughs) (laughs) um but anyway yeah so that was it that was the end of velvet revolver Mm. we think i don't know i think it
1: probably was i think it probably is yeah
0: I mean it, it kinda has to be, really. At this point, why why? What, why would...
1: whatever we think of Slash's solo material, at the end of the day, he is doing really fucking well off the back of it. And Slash is just one of these guys who he just wants to play. He just wants to play. And that's something that I love and admire about him. You know, the Slash of Snake Pit stuff, as I said at the top of this um, episode, um, it is actually really good. It just, out, quite a lot of it is. I'm not saying both of those albums are perfect throughout and they definitely could have songs chopped from them. But there's some brilliant, brilliant songs from those records. They just came out at a time when no one gave a flying shit about that sort of thing. I mean, yeah. it's five o'clock somewhere, 95, you know, Corn was hitting and no one really, you know, it sounded very old hat at that point. point eight life grand is almost like a blues album but it's a just re- really good um but yeah it came out you know sort of the height of new metal kind of thing you know so um but yeah slash is a lifer he just wants to play and the fact that he couldn't give it i genuinely believe he couldn't give a toss if he's playing in the mean fiddler or wembley arena um mm. slash i think he is just one of those and i really really admire that uh but He is doing Wembley Arena at the moment based on those records. And um, he's very happy to uh, play, you know, Guns N' Roses hits as well um, with those uh, those things. And then obviously he's got Guns N' Roses. I mean, yeah. Why the hell would Velvet Revolver happen again these days? No. There's
0: no real need. No. But, you know, they left one really, really good album. One
1: brilliant album. Yeah. Really, really brilliant. And I I was really Mm. pleased to put... Put it in the CD player and press play and 16 years on, it still sounds fucking fantastic. You know? Yeah, and really that I wasn't sure strong. I wasn't sure if that would be the case, but I'm really pleased that it was. It's great. It's really good. Mm. If you've never checked out Contraband for whatever reason and you like classic rock, retro rock, and whatever, it's it's I would say it's essential. It's a great record. Just ignore LeberTad because it's bollocks
0: oh so bad oh it's making me yawn just thinking about it <laughs> <laughs> uh they finally stopped drilling the baskets just as we finish um thanks very much for listening um as i said if you're listening to this for free go over to patreon.com forward slash riot act podcast where you can contribute to the show if you so wish for those of you who have thank you very much and we will see you with another rioters review very very soon thank you very much muchly cheers ta-ta